Those Christmas hymns are simply too great to be reserved merely to be sung in December. We need to have a Christmas hymn sing in July or August, just to make that point emphatically. I want to welcome you to this service of commencement for the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. You note on the front of your program, this is the 216th commencement at the 157th session of this institution, which is a formal way of saying, as they say in Texas, this is not our first rodeo. <laughs> we have been at this for some time. School goes back to 1859, but its real roots are as Christ was teaching his apostles as Paul was teaching Timothy in the New Testament. The school exists for only one reason, and that is for the training and preparation of gospel ministers in a very long line that is now represented by these graduates before us. If your house is like mine, the Christmas cards are now arriving at full blast. Some come with letters and notes, some with inscriptions and Christmas messages. The most explicitly Christian cards often feature a manger scene or another biblical scene related to the birth of Christ. Angels are common, of course, usually portrayed in majestic pose ready to announce the birth of Christ. Peace is a major theme. This is entirely legitimate and proper, even natural to Christmas. Jesus is indeed the Prince of Peace. And peace on earth was one of the promises made by the angelic host to the shepherds. The Bible makes clear that Jesus is our peace and that peace is both his gift and the accomplishment of Christ's messianic mission. I've never received a Christmas card depicting Armageddon. No one has yet sent me a Christmas card that takes war as its theme, picturing Christ as the ruler the rider on a white horse, a sword coming from his mouth, ready to rule the nations with a rod of iron. But this too is the accomplishment of Christ's messianic mission, but one rarely, if ever, mentioned at Christmas. Christmas cards frequently cite the first half of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Few draw from the last half of the chapter. I invite you to turn with me to Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 35. We read together. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them 
and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is God's word. In this passage, we see the obedience of Joseph and Mary to the law, the presentation of the baby Jesus in the temple, and the declaration of the righteous and devout Simeon. Simeon's confession of faith is so breathtaking. Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace, he said, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of whom of all peoples. Christ here is described as a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. In him, the promise to Abraham is fulfilled. In you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Simeon had been told he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he has seen him. But after his declaration, his prophecy is bracing. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. All kinds of Bible verses make their way into Christmas cards, rarely if ever this one. I've never seen it. This Christ is the heart piercer. This Christ, the baby in Bethlehem's manger, is a sign appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, a sign of contradiction, a sign that will be opposed. So you don't see Luke 2.35 on a Christmas card. I've never seen this verse used as a Christmas inscription, but there it is right in the heart of the Bible's Christmas story. Simeon told Mary, and he spoke to Mary directly, that the child to whom she had given birth just days before, the child who had been miraculously conceived within her by the Holy Spirit, this child was, a, was appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Indeed he was, and indeed he is. The falling and the rising began immediately, and it was not limited to Israel. That fallen rising has never ceased, and it will cease only when the Lord Christ returns to establish his kingdom in its fullness. Until then, headlines tell of fallings and risings from the house of Herod to the Roman Empire, to the Soviet Union, and inevitably to the mightiest nations on earth today. We look out today at this incredible sight of the December 2015 graduating class of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. This graduating class is larger than the enrollment of most seminaries. Within what will seem like the blink of an eye, they will be deployed in fields of ministry, even to the ends of the earth. We are witnesses today to one of the rarest of sights and one of the greatest encouragements to the Christian church. God is calling ministers. God is calling missionaries of the gospel and they are responding. They are obeying. And they are coming for a theological education that is without apology committed to the faith once for all delivered to the saints and founded upon the total truthfulness and authority of the Word of God. They are going into a dangerous world. It is a world of fallings and risings. It is a world increasingly marked by turmoil and tumult and trouble. They are going into a world filled with new terrors and new challenges. 
When this class enrolled at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, we had not yet heard of the Islamic State. Now it fills the headlines and it claims the future. What will come next? We cannot yet see. We do not yet know. But Simeon traced the fall and rising of many in Israel back to the baby laid in Bethlehem's manger. The Lord who is calling out ministers of his gospel and servants of his church is the Lord who will rule the nations and judge them, who reigns and judges even now. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. But until he comes, we are witnesses to the fall and rising of many of kings and empires and dynasties and world orders. And it is well with our souls. We send out this company of gospel ministers into a world filled with horrifying headlines and intractable problems. It is also a world that our Lord Christ describes as white unto harvest. He told us to pray for workers for the harvest. Here they are. Who can be unmoved by this? We have come to know them to teach them, to learn with them, and to love them. They and their ministries will be indelibly marked by their theological education at Southern Seminary. In turn, Southern Seminary will go with them wherever the Lord may take them, and they will be a part of us wherever they may go. They will be ministers of fire, committed to the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, they go into pulpits and they will go into the nations to tell all people that salvation comes to all who acknowledge and repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They will point to his birth and they will point to his sinless life. They will point to the cross on which he died as a substitute in our place for our sins. They will point to the empty tomb and they will declare the power of the resurrected Christ. They will tell multitudes of people the old, old story of Jesus and his love. They will witness the fall and rise of many in Israel. And they will preach the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. You can't put all of that into a mere Christmas card. This gospel demands long, lifelong faithfulness and ministry. In that light, in this Christmas season, we send these graduates out and we marvel at what God will do through them what God will do with them, what God will do in them. So celebrate this commencement. Celebrate even this commencement day in nothing less than the full and holy confidence that is right. It is the gospel confidence that is the very essence of Christmas in a very special way. On this incredibly special day, it means more than can be conveyed in any mere greeting or Christmas card to look at what the Lord is doing here and say, Merry Christmas.